If this is your first time uh, to refresh, welcome. Um, we hope you enjoy it. Um, every week we do a breakfast um, sort of thing out. Um, if it's too hot, we go under the dome roof out there. Um, and then, yeah, we come in and have a program. So if this is your first time, you're now part of the Refresh family, so you're welcome back any time. Um, doors always open. Um, as Neil said, we're doing a series called Five Words. And we started it off last week with Murray. And he started us off with God. And he gave us a picture of God. And the rest of the five words, they're not actually written up there because we want you to actually absorb them as we go. So last week we did God. This week we're doing sin. Next week we'll be doing substitute. The following week after that we're doing believe. And the last one we're doing life. So that's the five. So we got God, sin, substitute, believe, life. They're represented by five different colors, and that'll come into play probably towards the end of the, the series. And we've thought about this, and these five words are key in any Christian's life. These five words are key to living in a Christian's life. And so that's why we thought we'd unpacked it. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is what we call the gospel. That right there is the whole gospel story rolled into five words, and we're going to do it over five weeks. We're good with maths. I thought that was all right. And so, as we, as I said at the very start, Murray started off with giving us a picture of God. And your picture of God affects absolutely everything you do. Because when you think about it, your picture of God, it affects how you make a living, it affects how you, how you study, it affects how you um, entertain yourself on weekends, for example, rocking up to Refresh Church on a Saturday morning. It affects every little thing that you do without you knowing it. And Murray introduced us to the five, everything's five this morning, Murray introduced us to the five different pictures of God that you can have. And one of them was uh, a life for God. Another one was a life from God. And another one was a life with God. And another one was a life over God. And another one was a life under God. And the one that he challenged us with last week was he challenged each and every one of us to have a life with God. Now, if you missed last week's sermon, it is up on iTunes. You can subscribe to our iTunes account or you can go to SoundCloud and get it from there. Just do a search for Refresh Church. All, this, all our past series and this series included will be up there hopefully the same weekend that it happens on. The series before this five word series, we actually focused on creation a little bit. Seven days that changed the word and we opened up with the concept of a very good God and that we as humans reflect God and His image because we are created in His image. And then Neil took it one step further and said that this God that created us came back down and wanted to spend time with us. And this all works hand in hand into leading into this series. There's one thing that gets in the way of our relationship with God. There's one thing that puts a dampener on this whole situation and that is sin, and that's what we're focusing on today. There's, 
There's this three-letter word that just gets in the way. It causes our circuits to, to spark everywhere and, and electrocutes ourselves. It gets totally in the way of our relationship with God and it causes our reflection to malfunction. Now, Jacques, in his little intro, said that we are a reflection of God's true image. This sin thing wipes that out. This sin thing gets, gets in the way of that. But before we keep going... I'm going to break it down a little bit. What we're going to do is we're going to break down sin into three questions, if we can get them up there. We're going to do, what is it? Where does it come from? And what does it mean for me? So we're going to, we're going to break it down, and I'm hopefully going to enlighten myself and you guys with the content that we're going to cover today. Now, sin, what is it? For some of you, you've been around church quite a fair bit, and for some of you, you haven't been around church quite a fair bit, and you might have heard this word just sprouted out all over the place. But, sin is in each and every one of us, and you don't need to be speaking Christianese to understand kind of what sin is. When we when we just do the wrong thing, it is often called a sin, even in the, in the real world. So, what is it? Can someone, someone throw out a, a definition for me? What is sin? This is an interactive sort of thing. Separation, Separation from God, I like that. Thanks, Starrett. Anything else? Bad stuff we do. Thanks, Bree. What was that? Sorry. Transgression of the law. I like it. it. When I asked some kids this during the week, they gave me some words like evil. And another definition was selfishness. It's interesting, isn't it? And then I went a little bit deeper and I did some more research into it. And get this. This is some brainiac's interpretation of what sin is. And it's pretty much what everyone said this morning. Any failure to conform to the moral law of God in three areas. It's not five, it's three this time. In three areas. Action, attitude, and nature. Actions, attitude, and nature. Now, I know I've got up the front and I've, I've just unloaded a whole heap of content on you straight away, and you're all probably sitting, sitting there going, we've just had breakfast we're sitting down, we just want to relax, we don't want to think. But stay with me. Stay with me because hopefully this will switch a light switch within your head and hopefully this will give you a better look at what sin is and hopefully increase your knowledge of God. When I was little, I'm going to, tell you, I'm going to open up a bit. I'm going to un undo the can, the baked beans, and I'm going to share them with all of you. I'm going to share my first memory of sinning. Let me just prepare myself. All right. It was when I was about three years old. And um, I've told most of you about my house when I was growing up. It's a classic old Queenslander sort of looking house with a garage underneath and, and the living area up the top. And um, there's a hallway down the middle and then there's the master bedroom, another bedroom, and another bedroom. 
Well, this bedroom at the front was mine. Tim's was at the back corner. Mum and Dad's was in the middle. Two boys, you've got to stay in between them, otherwise all hell's going to break loose. And um, Tim, on this particular day, had what is commonly known as a red skin. A red skin lolly. For those of you who don't know what a red skin lolly is, it's pretty much just sugar wrapped up in a purple packet, and it's pink, and it tastes delicious. And funnily enough, the way to small Simo's heart back in the day was through redskins. And so Tim had this redskin, and he was sort of flaunting it in front of me. It was, it was sort of calling to me as I sat into my room and just sort of stuck my head out the door and saw Tim in his room with this redskin just sort of waving it around in front of me. And then I, I, I sort of, some thoughts came into my head of, I need that redskin. How am I going to get this redskin? And so I started planning. But then the ultimate happened. I heard a familiar, sorry, I heard a familiar voice from the kitchen and it said, Tim, come and do the dishes. And I'm like, you beauty. I probably didn't think that because I was three. But anyway, I think it sounds better. And um, so Tim walked past my door and I made sure that he'd gone around the corner and into the kitchen. And then all of a sudden, Mission Impossible music started in my head. And I, I crawled down the hallway wall like this so no one could see what I was doing. And I entered into Tim's room, picked up that red skin and bolted. Bolted back into my room, shut the door. And then there I was in heaven with my red skin. Now, for those of you who have experienced redskins, you can never unwrap a red skin fully. There's always a corner that gets stuck. And so there I was with this red skin with a little bit of wrapper still on it. I didn't care. I just needed to get that goodness in me. So I, I started slowly, as you always do. You give it a lick. Yep, that's a red skin. That's what it tastes like. And then you just go, gone. But as with red skins, you need to chew them 50 billion times before you can move them because it is just sugar. And by the time that I had finished chewing the thing, which was probably about an hour later, there was another familiar voice that I heard, but this time it wasn't coming from the kitchen. This time it was coming from my brother's room. And it was more like, Mom! Simon stole my red skin! And then I heard another familiar voice, which happened to be mine, with a reply of, No, I didn't! And then this went on, this went on. It was a classic conversation of two boys growing up in the house. And, and it just went on and on and on. And the usual threats got made by mum. I'm going to call the cops. And here I am, three-year-old Simon, bawling his eyes out, going, No! Don't call the cops. Anything but that. And so I had to share my cars with Tim and so on and so forth. But the, the interesting part of the story was, five minutes later, Tim had another red skin. How did he swing that? Miracle, had to be. Because I know mine was still going down. That was, that was my first memory of committing a sin. And from that moment on, my definition of sin was just an action. It was an outward action of something that I've done wrong. But it, it goes deeper than that. It goes much deeper than that. 
There's this whole nature thing, attitude slides sort of into that action sort of side, but there's this whole nature thing which messes with people's heads because we don't fully understand it. And that's where the second question comes in. I'm not quite ready for it yet, Neil. So sin is something, not just, sorry, let me start that again. Sin is something that we do, yes. But sin is also something that we are. Sin is not just something you and I do, it is something that you and I are. Interesting, isn't it? It's not simply an action. It's an overflow of who we are from nature, which moves us into the next question. If you could throw that up, please, Neil. Where does sin come from? Now, I've asked you that question. I I prompted you before. I gave you the three questions. Does anyone have any idea where sin came from? And probably most of you have it in your heads already, where it does come from indeed. It comes from Genesis chapter 3. So I think I've got that one cued. Beautiful. Here we go. Genesis chapter 3. At the um, last series, Seven Days That Changed the World, we started the book of Genesis. And we did the first two chapters and we hinted at this sort of this um, chapter as well, but we didn't get into it. So today we're going to get into it. So if you've got your Bibles, um, open them up. If you've got it on a little phone app, open that up. Um, Or it'll be on the screen, so you can read along there as well. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did uh, did God really say, you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden. But God did say, You must not eat of the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. It's highlighted. I'll come back to that. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. We'll pause there. Thanks, Neil. Just a few things before we move on. Just a few things. When Eve is communicating with a serpent, she used her feelings to make the decision on whether to grab the fruit or not. If if we go back a couple of slides, please, Neil, to where she's picking, um, saw it was good to eat, please. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye. So we've got pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom. And she took it and ate it. So she's using her feelings to make a decision on whether she should take the fruit or not. She's using her feelings. And so many times we as human beings can be tricked by using our feelings to make decisions. We don't fully weigh it up because we get goose pimples or, or he's so cute or something like that. We get taken away by our feelings and we don't make the positive or right decision. Let's go back to naked. Sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Then uh, they realized that they were naked. 
Now, before sin, nudity didn't exist. And as a chaplain working in schools, usually when you say words like naked or, or woman or something like that, you get this little giggle throughout the whole, whole sort of building. And that little giggle would not exist if sin didn't enter the world. Think about it. These, these, this guy and girl were walking around the, the Garden of Eden, fully naked, didn't know they were naked until sin entered the world. So our awkwardness, to use a more awkward, our awkward moments would not exist if sin didn't enter the world. That was just a side note. Let's keep going. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We'll pause there. Thanks, Neil. God was coming down, as he usually did, to spend time with his creation. Because they are a reflection, a true reflection of his perfection, God wanted to spend time with them. And so that's what he's doing. He wanted to have some church with them. He wanted to have some refresh time with them. And, and it says there, and they hid from him. Now tell me, from my illustration that I told you before with the redskins... What was the first thing I did once I pinched the red skin? What's the first thing that I did? I went back to my room, closed the door and hid. When you do something wrong in your life, what do you do? We try and cover it up, don't we? We try and, and, and hide what we have just done because we know that it's wrong. Little kids are classics at it funny as when something breaks they sort of freak out sweep it under something and then run away i didn't do it It wasn't me it it, it, it was like that when i found it we hide what's going wrong let's keep going but the lord god called to the man where are you the only reason why that's highlighted is god still does that for us today where are you comes looking for us let's keep going he answered i heard you in the garden and i was afraid because i was naked so i hid And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman, you put me here with me. She gave me the fruit from the tree and I ate it. We'll pause. Interesting. Interesting. When we do something wrong now, what's our first thing to do? We don't take it on ourselves. We often try and palm it off to something else. We often try and get, we get defensive and we try and deflect what's going on. Let's keep going. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman, sa- uh, the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel to the woman he said i'll make your pains in childbearing very severe with painful labor you will give birth to children your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you to adam he said because you have listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which i commanded you you must not eat from it cursed is the ground because of Uh, because of you, sorry, through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. 
It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food, until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all living. We'll pause there, thanks, Neil. We'll, we'll, um, we'll keep going. So here we have two people that have just been living in paradise. It is described in the Bible as paradise, perfection. Garden of Eden was absolutely perfect. And now we're getting sort of a grim picture from what God is telling Adam and Eve, what's going to happen now that sin has entered the world. And so throughout the rest of the world's existence, we have all this stuff happening. We have all these, these, these things that have happened throughout time. I can't speak on the childbirthing thing, but I have pulled weeds in my day. Sort of can't compare the two. <laughs> can you? I take that back. Can we, can we edit that one out, please, Neil? Take two. Sorry. <laughs> I've just thrown myself. The, Bi- the Bible says, <laughs> wow. The Bible says that we have inherited sin. Let me try and explain that one. The Bible says that we have inherited sin from the story that we have just listened to or read. And the story, and the story that we've just listened to and read gives us a glimpse as to why the world is the way it is today. That's what I meant to say before. High school kids, when you walk down the street, right, and you're with your parents, which is rarely, I know, but when, with, with your parents, they're not on Facebook, so you have to actually interact with them. When you're walking down the street with your parents and, some, and you get introduced to this person, right? So picture this, walking with your parents, someone comes up, your mum and dad know them, you get introduced. Nine times out of ten, that person is going to say to you, I remember you when you were this big. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, yeah. And then they'll follow that up with, you look just like your dad or you look just like your mum. It's true, eh? Yeah, I get it all the time, but sadly, I look more like me mum. That's why I grow the beard, <laughs> so I look more like dad. <laughs> anyway, that's all another story. But those genetics that you have received from your parents is exactly what we're talking about here when it says sin is inherited. Your, your facial expressions, your facial, I don't know, makeup, your, your height, your, your width, your, your narrowness, your whatever is inherited through your genes. And it's exactly the same here from our parents that go way back when to Adam and Eve. We have inherited this sin that comes down through the generations to us today. So what is sin? Let's get that question up again. What is sin? It is a failure to conform to the moral law of God in action, in attitude, and in nature. Nature is that last one we covered. And it is also the answer to the next question, which was, where does sin come from, Adam and Eve? It's in our nature. They took a bite of the fruit from the tree. This next question we're going to spend a bit of time on. Ten minutes on. (laughs) What does it have to do with me? This is the big question. This is the one that gets to your guts. Now... I'm a bottom line kind of person. When I talk to salespeople, I hate listening to the mumbo-jumbo that they go on about. I want to know if I want that product, what does it do, 
and how much it is and what am I going to get out of it. But instead, you usually get salespeople going, well, yesterday I sold two of them. Then when I got home, my dog threw up the keys. I don't know, I'm just trying to... My improv's not really working today. <laughs> no, but a salesman usually gives you... They try and build a relationship with you to try and connect with you in a way that they're just trying to get information out of you. It's quite interesting when you study salesmen. They try and get information out of you by sharing information from themselves. It's very interesting. But I'm a bottom line kind of guy, so when I go see a salesman, uh, recently we got our car replaced because it got smashed in those hailstorms in Brisbane late November. We just got it written off and got a new one. But, and we didn't have to deal with the salesman. But in the five seconds that I had to deal with a salesman, it annoyed me. I just want the car, mate. Sign the check, give it to me. And, um, and that's, and I'm going to sort of, your video this morning, Jacques, brilliant, loved it. But I love texting when I remember to do it. I love texting because you can have a conversation in five seconds. It's brilliant. You think about it. Here we go. Courtney texted me the other day, where are you? And I said, oh, I'm on my way home. And she said, see you soon. Done. How good is that? If it was a phone call, hi, how are you? Yeah, good, not too bad. So uh, what have you been up to? Well, you know, this, this, and this. Oh, um, where are you now? Oh, I'm, I'm just on my way home. Okay, we'll see you later. Click. Whereas texting, it's bang, done. Let's keep going. I don't know whether it's the ADD side of me or not, but i just got to keep things moving. Um, so bottom line, what does sin have to do with me? I'm going to give it to you straight from Scripture. Let's get into it. Romans, please, Neil. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Here we go. This is what sin has to do with us right now. For the wages, for the price, for the... This is what happens of sin is death. That's it. What does sin have to do with you? Well, it's going to kill you. The wages of sin is death. But it doesn't, he doesn't leave it there. He puts a comma in. It's not a full stop. It's not the end. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus the Lord. How good is that? That's a little hint into what's coming up a bit later. For the wages of sin is death. Let's go on. No, no, keep going, Neil. Sorry. Romans 3, 23. 23 seems to be a popular number this morning too. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here we have not just one or two, not just Adam and Eve, not just, um, I don't know, me. It is everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. Sorry, I'm adding emphasis too much. I'm getting excited. Let's keep going. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We'll pause there. Thanks, Neil. While we were still sinners, Christ died died for us. It's all well and good, Simo, but that's a book. What does it mean really to me? Let, me? let me try and explain it this way. The more you understand your sin, the more that you look at your past and you work out what's going on, the more that you work out the wrong things that you've done, the more that you acknowledge them, the closer you get 
to God's love. If you understand what sin is, you understand what God's love is. Is that getting through? If you, if you understand what you've done and acknowledge it, you understand how much God has done for you when He sent His Son to die on the cross. You've got to understand one to fully understand the other. Yeah, we can read about the other, but do you fully understand it? To fully understand it, you need to understand sin. To fully understand sin, or in fully understanding sin, you understand God's love for us. That is step one in understanding God's love. And where do you get the rest of the information about it? Where do you get it? And it's from these five words. God, sin, substitute, believe, life. I always get the last two mixed up. God, sin, substitute, believe, life. The gospel. The five words. Because if you don't fully understand how sin works, if you don't fully understand, how do you communicate to those, how do you communicate your understanding of God's love to those you come into contact with in the community? If you're walking around school, how do you communicate God's love to those people in the school community? If, you, if you're at work and you've got friends and you want to communicate to them God's love, if you don't fully understand what's going on, how do you communicate that to someone? How do you communicate something that you don't fully have a grasp of? And the only reason why I'm speaking to you like this, I'm, I'm the biggest sinner of them all. Paul says exactly the same thing. We're all sinners. And if we don't fully understand what's going on, we can't understand the true value of God's love. How do we begin to walk in the promise of God's victory? God's victory being Jesus died on the cross. Because, quite frankly, I'm, I'm sick of sin. I hate it with a passion. There are times in my life where I've looked back and thought, that's dumb. I'm sick of sinning. God, just take this away from me. But then I go out and still do it three days later. There are times in my life where I've, I've begged God, please, take it away from me. But we can't. It's in our nature. We, it's that acknowledgement that we build our relationship with God. And, and, and that acknowledgement comes from all sorts of different areas. Throughout my time working in schools, I've been working in schools for a while now, you talk to students that, that sort of can't help um, have issues with cutting themselves, they have issues with, with diet, they have issues with, with um, who they like, they have issues with this, that, and that, and that. And I've talked to... Oh, hang on, sorry, I'm lost. It gets deep in some of these sinful things. It gets really deep with the students and everything like that. And I'm, not, I'm just trying to get the feeling that we have for sin. But the reality is, the reality is, until you grasp the concept of sin and the concept of what Jesus did on the cross and you allow Jesus to do a miracle in your life, you fully won't understand sin. 
And the, the saddest thing is, the saddest thing is you'll never have a chance because sin has been dominating the world since Genesis 3. That's how long it's been around. You won't have a chance because sin has been in the world since the very beginning of time. And when you, when you, when you have sin, well, sin and us just doesn't work. You're outgunned when it comes to sin. When we take it on by ourselves. But Jesus Christ has made a way. And, and here I've quoted, he has vanquished sin. Oh, that was a very cool word. He has vanquished sin. Let's read some more scripture. Hebrews 1, verse 3, and I'll try and wrap this thing up. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. So at the very beginning of the presentation, I said that we wanted to be a true uh, reflection of God's perfection. And here we have, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. Radiance, you can throw reflection in there as well. The sun is a reflection of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. Sounds still like a reflection. Um, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for our sins, so this is what I'm talking about, this is what he did on the cross, this is how we're getting to know God's love, because God provided us the way through Jesus on the cross. He sat down at the right hand of God. Pause. He sat down at the right hand of the port. Now, in Jewish culture, in Jewish culture, when someone had finished saying their bit, they sat down. And what that meant was they had finished saying it. They had finished delivering what they needed to. That was the word. They sat down. And so what we have here, we have Jesus sort of saying that I'm sick of sin. I've, I've covered sin. I've, I've done it for everyone, for all have sinned and fall short. So I've done it for all. And here I am. I've done my bit. I'm on the cross. I've screamed, it is finished. And he sat down at the right hand of God. He put a full stop on it. Doesn't matter. Here we have Jesus putting a full stop at the end of sin, kicking it out of the park. To illustrate it, I thought I might struggle to illustrate that. To illustrate it, I did a bit of research. Now, here we go. Neil, you ready for this? Am I going to pass? Do it? All right, let's do it. All right, to illustrate this, excuse my back. I just got to get some props. All right. Back when I studied at Griffith University, just down at Mount Gravatt, I used to have every Friday off. And a mate of mine and I used to play golf on every Friday instead of study, because that's what you do. And for lunch we had Hungry Jacks and all that kind of stuff. But we got pretty good. And when you play with the same person over and over again, you both end up being pretty good. And so we were doing shot for shot and landing in the same fairway pretty much a metre apart for our remaining little bit. But my challenge for you today is this golf ball, sin, right? This golf club is what Jesus did on the cross. Now, if I was hitting them all right yesterday, so uh, we'll see how we go, Neil. If my, if my predictions are correct, this golf ball should, I just got to clear that curtain, this golf ball should hit that blue board up there. Now, Courtney can, can be a witness to this in the fact that I actually haven't played golf since April last year, and then I had a few hits yesterday. So, um, front row, 
good luck. It's a good thing no one's in the front row, but we'll see how we go. So remember, golf ball is sin, golf club is what Jesus did on the cross. Let's have a look. Now, I was talking to Neil about this. It's all right, Jules. I was talking, I was talking to Neil about this, and um, it's a bit of pressure. I've never played, with a, like, played golf with a group of people around me, and so it's a little bit of pressure. And um, I can't guarantee that I'll hit it cleanly. And it's on AstroTurf on a wooden floor. No one tell Graham. He's not here, is he? It's all right. All right, here we go. Silence, please. Yes, and Mr. Hutton comes up to the tee. All right, here we go. Bend the knees. How good is that? How'd I go? Did I hit... The smoke sort of hid the stairs. How good is that? Not a, wow. There's no smoke alarms in here, is there? <laughs> Did I hit anyone? Workplace health and safety, all right? Sweet. Golf club, Jesus. Golf ball, disintegrated. You get where I'm going? Sin is... We might, we might have to do a bit of cleaning. When's Graham in, Shane? No one take photos. If that's on YouTube, I'm coming for you. Where am I going? All right, First Corinthians, thanks, Neil. Check this out. I'll let you read it for a second. When the perishable has been clothed in the imperishable, when we as sinners have been clothed with Jesus, and the mortal with immortality, when we have been clothed again with Jesus, then the saying that it is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Let's go to the next one. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what we're starting to talk about next week with substitute. That right there is the key to this sin thing. The more you understand sin, the more you understand God's love. But in the end, all comes down to what Jesus did on the cross for us. So sin, what is it? Failure to conform to the moral law of God in action, attitude, or nature. If it just left it at that, we're stuffed. Where does it come from? Beginning of time. Adam and Eve. It's in our nature. It's, it's inherited through us. And the last question I'm not going to answer for you, because you have to decide that. What does it mean for you? Let's pray. Father God, I've had a bit of fun here this morning and, and Lord, we'd just like to pause for a moment and just bask in your glory. And Lord, we, we don't fully grasp or understand this whole sin, good versus evil, all that kind of stuff. But one thing is for sure, that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And for that, we thank you. Lord, take us now. We're yours. Um, we love you lots and we can't wait to see you in your name. Amen. Hello. Thanks, Timo. Um, looks like the people in the front row, like 
seen a ghost. They're all very white or something, aren't they? Anyway, I hope you enjoyed your day. Um, I hope you have a fantastic uh, Sabbath, Saturday, and uh, in, have it with God, spending time with Him and with other people, uh, or whatever you're going to do. Um, as Simo said, next week we're talking about the substitute, that is Jesus Christ, and uh, Lyndon Chester is actually coming to present for us next week. So till then, great to see you. Looking forward to seeing you next week for those who will be here. Enjoy.